Thank you for tuning into the second episode of Transitioning to University. This is Connor Watson. These episodes will aim to provide first-year university students with effective techniques for success in the university setting. The rationale underlying why I decided to do a series of recordings directed towards assisting first-year university students is fourfold. First, I have found that most first-year university students enter university unprepared. Second, I have older siblings who had attended post-secondary educational institutions before myself, which provided me with a taste of what to expect. Third, as a student mentor at York University, I have anecdotal evidence of the benefits that first-year students gain from experienced students. And finally, and in relation to the third reason, Studies have found that first-year university students who have been assigned an upper-year student mentor indeed complete their first year with significantly higher GPAs than first-year students who have not been assigned a student mentor. The individual I have selected for the second episode is Cody Watson. Cody attended Laurier University, where he earned an honors BA studying kinesiology on Dean's Honor Roll. Following his BA degree, Cody earned a Master of Kinesiology at Laurier University. While being a teaching assistant at Laurier University, in other words, a TA, his thesis research focused on long-term athlete development in youth Ontario soccer. His thesis has been presented at multiple conferences and his paper has received over 250 downloads online. Cody is currently completing his Masters of Science, Physiotherapy, at Queen Margaret University in Scotland. At Queen Margaret University, he has received the Best Level 1 Pre-Registration Student Award. Cody represents Queen Margaret University on the Enhanced-Led Institutional Review Board. Within the next few months, Cody will begin his research investigating exercise and age-related cognitive decline. After graduation, Cody plans on practicing physiotherapy in Canada following the standardized Canadian examinations. In terms of formatting, this interview will be semi-structured thematically, discussing advice with regards to orientation week, i.e. frosh week, getting involved in socializing, time management, studying, listening and note-taking, and participation. These topics are extremely important for not only success in first-year university, but also throughout university, and oftentimes throughout life in general. So, without further delay, I bring you Cody Watson. Hi, Cody. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. I figure we'll just jump right into it. In terms of orientation week, the first week of school, aka frosh week, what are some do's and don'ts that you would recommend to your first year self? Some do's and don'ts. So the biggest do is just go to class. Like go to every single class the first week. Um, kind of see like how they are, what you need 
to do, I wouldn't recommend buying a textbook before the class because sometimes the professor doesn't uh, utilize the textbook as well as some of the textbooks in first year are like two or $300. So you can always like wait a week or so or like wait a few days and then people are selling them used. You can just buy them used easy enough for, for half the price. So, so they'll save you money because in first year you're going to be spending like $1,000 on textbooks. So if you can save like $400 of that 1000 they'll go a long run towards groceries or whatever. Um, some other dues would be utilize your Dawn. Like, my Dawn in first year, well, I had two Dawns in first year because one only, one, like, flunked out, essentially, and then another one stepped in. So they weren't kind of involved with my, like, daily activities. Um, whereas a couple of my buddies later on became Dawns, and I feel like they had the biggest influence on some of the first year's lives. Like, they got them engaged in intramurals. Um, if they had varsity athletes, they made sure the varsity athletes were staying on track, both in school and with their sport, as well as um, if you're not into sports, they'll like, set you in the right direction for other clubs and like groups on campus that you can be um, involved in. So as, as well as like if you're not living on campus, um, Lori had like Locust for off-campus first-year students, which is essentially the same thing, just giving the off-campus students like a place to go uh, for more mature students to kind of give them direction within like the first week and like the first year, like year of school because um, uh, things go on throughout the year, obviously. Um, some don'ts would be like probably don't drink every night unless you can make it to class tomorrow. Don't go to class unprepared. Like bring a laptop, bring a textbook. Be like be aware of like where your classes are at certain times. I know. Laurie is not the biggest campus ever, so it's easy enough to get around, but if you're at a bigger school and you've never been there before, um, it is probably a good idea to kind of, like, go through a tour. I'd say even before orientation week, like, what something I never did was I never visited Laurie campus before I went to Laurie. And, like, I wasn't really – I came out of high school knowing I liked sports and then I wanted to be in kinesiology because it, it was, like, sport-related. So I just, like, signed up for kinesiology at bunch of schools except the Laurier, went first week, I'm there, never been there before. So um, just like before even orientation, just like talk to people who have gone to university, kind of see what you like, re do a little research yourself. I know it's hard coming out of high school, like you don't really know like what you're looking for. So like ask the high school profs, 95% um, of the your teachers in high school have gone to university. So uh, it should be 100%, to be honest. You never know, some might slide with graphs. Um, yeah, just like utilize them and then like go visit school campuses because like the school campuses you visit in the summer, you know what you like, you know what you don't like, you know kind of what the school is about and then that'll set you up well for orientation week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think orientation week is also um, a week where a lot of people are off track and if you can find your path right away, which means getting right down to it, right away, you know, doing your week's readings. But I would also recommend not buying books before you go to your first lecture. Some professors may give you hell for not having readings done in the first week. Most professors, I would say 99% of professors won't give you a reading before the actual, um, the first lecture, but I've seen it done before. But there's professors where I've had this many times where you go and then you say to the professor, so which books do we need to get all of these? Because sometimes in the in the syllabi, there's five books they want you to get. 
you know, and so professors will just say, yeah, you only need these three and the other one I'm going to send out on PDF or things like that. So you can save an extra 70 bucks by uh, uh, going to your uh, introduction lecture before you actually go to buy your books. It It's important to be prepared, but I think you can, uh, you should go to your first lecture before you get your books in that first week. I think too, is like Laurie... Um, they kind of split it differently as well as other schools. Like they have frosh before class. Like you go, you move in the Saturday, Sunday, and then until at least the Thursday, sometimes it's the full week, like you have frosh. So you don't even have classes for a few days. Like when you're a first year student, you just have the opportunity to meet your roommates, meet like other people on your floor. Um, same thing if you're off campus, they still, they still offer it to you. So like you get that time before school even starts to kind of like meet people, make some friends, make some connections. Um, with people like you can like just sit beside class and like wherever that may be um, that gives you like a few days opportunity before and then the next week is kind of like okay like you should look at your schedule kind of make sure you know like what you're doing and stuff which um, gives a good opportunity it's like a good happy medium of yeah you go to university you're away from your parents the first time uh, you're able to do your own things for the first time and like you get that kind of out of the way the first few days which is nice but then like you're also there to go to school and like do well. So uh, just make sure like you, you obviously can have fun at university. Like this is going to be the best time of your life. So um, you can have a good time like before school starts. And then like when school starts, it starts slow. Like your first year, it starts slow for the first week. So like you're not going to be behind if you're like not starting off the bat the first week. But then again, like readings do pile up and things come on quick as well as like midterms and finals like are all around the same time. So you can't do like a, like three chapters for five classes all within a week. Like you need to stay on top of things like as things progress. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good segue into uh, getting involved in the topic of socializing and extracurriculars. What did you do uh, in order to get involved in the school and why was it so important to you and how did it help? Mm -hmm. So that's like one of my um, disadvantages actually. Like in first year, I didn't get involved first year like my dons were out of the question i didn't know like how to get involved so uh i didn't like sign for intramurals i didn't really like go to the gym much i didn't like do any social clubs or activities i didn't do like house council within the actual uh, residence so uh, my first year i missed out on a lot of opportunities and a lot of like social networking um just like making like new friends and stuff because like i didn't get involved it's like kind of Hung up my first like my first floor was amazing like a bunch of cool people living on and stuff but it didn't give me like I didn't really know people in my program in first year like I had a couple girls in my first year floor who were in my program but other than that like I knew no one in my program um so in second year and stuff like later on that's when I started playing intramurals um that's when I started doing like other clubs like I did like a habitat trip uh, through humanity in third and fourth year and then throughout I was just like playing intramurals and just like can counsel as well uh, in my later years in, in school and stuff. When you got involved, did it help your academics? Do you think? For um, example, for example, because I was on the soccer team, there was people who had taken courses before me, and they were able to advise me as to which courses to avoid, which courses to take. One that was specifically good for me was the Criminology Society, a program set up for first-year students to interact with 
uh, later year students who had done well. And it was essentially a way of, it was a, it was a group that I could go to where there was other first year students in the same situation as me. And we had study sessions and it was led by later year students and they would give you tips on how the professor writes the exams, what's really difficult. I had one professor who was absolutely impossible. His multiple choice was dreadful. Um, so everyone knew there was certain things you needed to focus on because multiple choice was going to screw you if you weren't prepared for it. Um, you know, and it got you in, in contact with uh, other people to broaden your social network and ask them questions about the course. If they had notes on something, if they had exams, if you missed course, because if you don't get involved and you don't even know people, then you like, how do you get notes for a class you miss, for example, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so like same thing. Lori has those opportunities, and like I'm assuming all the schools have those opportunities for like for like chem and like other courses such as like business and stuff. They have like peer led from older students about like your course, so they have like tutorial sessions that just talk about kind of like what is on the upcoming midterm, as well as like studying certain like dynamics within the course. So a couple of my buddies like they used to run them in their third and fourth year and like just like the first year kids uh can show up and then they give them like tips on like how to study and like just kind of um how to prepare themselves for up, up and coming tests so um yeah if you don't know those are options then like you'll you're just like kind of shooting yourself in the foot with not um not being engaged and like knowing what's going on around the campus mm-hmm so socializing, it was mainly intramurals, that's what you did, and that's how you found your friend group? Uh, yeah, so intramurals, um, and then third and fourth year, I lived with like people within my program. When you lived with the people in your program, did you find you guys created a study group? Yeah, so like, I'll say this like every time I talk about my roommates, like the people I lived with in third and fourth year pretty much like saved my like academic career. They, uh, they were so involved with school. They were icebreakers. Um, they, like, always were prepared for tests. They had good note writing. Good. So, like, surrounding yourself with people who want to do well is one of the biggest things for being successful yourself. Like, they knew certain study methods, and they knew uh, certain things of, like, you could always ask them questions. So, yeah, so if you ever need a question or ever uh, knew a question, so just kind of asking people and, like, discussing it like teaching someone else something that you know is learning it better yourself exactly so so just being able to discuss that with people and, and kind of say like i'm not one to study uh, in groups really i study better by myself but when you have a concept down and then teaching it to someone else or kind of developing ideas with someone else about something is definitely beneficial for both your knowledge and like just like the overall uh development of whatever you're working on yeah, for sure. Because I think once you verbalize it, you, as you're saying it, you realize where you're weak. You realize exactly the concepts, that gray area where you're not too sure. And if they actually know something you don't, or they took a note you didn't, they can say, oh, well, remember the professor said this, and you're, oh, I forgot about that, or I didn't write that down. So by you verbalizing it and being in a study group with a, a few people, ideas can get thrown around and you can really create some good study notes and like 
in first year too, it's kind of hard because when you're in a science kind of program, well, all programs, I'm assuming you have mandatory courses to take, right? So some of those courses, like in first year, I took two kinesiology courses and then two bio, two psych, and two, it was either electives, I can't really remember. Um, so you, you're forced to take those courses, like you have no, no real options. So some of those courses you might actually be isolated and you might not have anyone you know within those courses so that's when you utilize those opportunities to go to those sessions that are led by older students to um, help help us study and stuff and then you can meet people at those sessions to study with afterwards or just like kind of um, share ideas with afterwards just on how to study because uh, just being able to ask someone that you see like you said just knowing that they might be that they're saying the same thing and they might know the answer that you're looking for is completely beneficial for your yourself yeah for sure so let's segue into time management why is time management so important and as a second part to that question what did you do to manage your time so effectively so the reason time management is so important at Laurier and other universities is because you have essentially midterms uh, in classes, you have essays due in classes, and you have exams in classes, and they'll always fall within the same like week time period essentially. So, when you have five classes each semester, and then all the midterms come around in like two or three weeks uh, around like Thanksgiving area, you have to be prepared going to that. Like, you can't just not do anything for the first six weeks of school and then try to learn everything within that one week just for all those classes because. You could either have a midterm on the same day. You could have them like back-to-back days. Uh, if you're lucky, there's going to be a few days in between just so you have study studying time in between. Because I know I've been there. Like I've had three midterms uh, back-to-back-to-back. So uh, you go and you study for the first one. And I found it like really hard to like, try and study for the second, third one when I still have the first one, like priority. So after that one's done, you, you transition to the second one. You start doing stuff for the second one. And then after that one's done, it's like 6 o'clock. At night, you have a midterm the next day at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, and you kind of grind it out. And that's the unfortunate thing about university is that uh, it's a lot of regurgitation of how much you can remember and instead of like actually like developing and understanding. So uh, a prof like once told me, it's like you don't like just want to learn stuff for a test. Like you want to understand stuff so you can take that with you and forward with you like as you um, develop through the years within university, which like I found super smart. I know in first year, you're not going to be taking the most interesting classes that you might not um, have thought would be kind of your university career. Like in first year, I'm learning about SANT and molecular biology, which is not something I'm really interested in, but it's kind of something you like deal with and then move along with. So it's, uh, it's definitely time management. You have to try to be prepared as best you can for as many things as you can. For sure. So I'll I'll say two things on this. The first is a question. What did you use to time manage? Did you use an agenda? For time, well, I knew my schedule, and I would know when midterms would be. So uh, I didn't like. I wouldn't say I have an agenda. I just have like obviously notes on my computer and just notes like written within my room, just like knowing when midterm days are coming up. So you just have like a calendar on your wall. And you could just write like the midterm dates like on your wall or like the final dates on your wall. And just knowing when those are, because those will be listed within your syllabus 
the first day of class. So you'll know those are set days, the first day of class, when they're coming up, when they'll be, so you can prepare yourself for if you do have multiple exams within one week or if you do have a few days in between exams, just to kind of get a grip of how much you need to know before a certain time point. Um, and then later on, I think like a few weeks or maybe a month into the actual semester, the exam schedule will be released and you can find out like when your exams are and like where they are within the school just to kind of, I know that's probably uh, a bit ahead of time and like you'll be focusing on midterms at that point, but at least you know kind of like when your exams are to get prepared. So um, I, I wouldn't have carried around like a hard copy agenda. Like I wouldn't have needed to have day to day um, updates with, for myself, but it was good to know uh, within like a calendar setting when my exams are and like it's something that you see every day so you can look at it for and sure. just kind of keep updated. Um, I was thinking in the first pod when I was talking with Rob Verda, he told me he never used an agenda, but he knew the deadlines. Mm-hmm. So, I, and then I, it made me think, I had an agenda and I was pretty diligent, but then again, I usually used it when it came to exam time. There's those, there's that three week period or that four week period where you don't have too much going on and you're just going about your weeks, but you don't need an agenda for that stuff. But when no. it comes to midterm time and cause there's, there's time during every school year where you have a number of things do at the same time and you need to properly block out time to prepare for each so here's an example if you don't mind me using about your anatomy experience you had to take anatomy in your second year at laurier but when you applied to physiotherapy school it considered your anatomy grade so you had to go back and redo that anatomy course But the point is, anatomy at Laurier, as far as you've told me, is extremely difficult. The average is extremely low. So that's a course where you would need to block out extra time to study for. I mean, you were studying for that for weeks before exams, you know? Yeah, so that, it's like a, you might like put like an asterisk beside that course just because, so the way like anatomy works at Laurier is they have like weekly like weekly tests. So you they tried to they tried to do weekly tests so you studied throughout the semester and it was like incentive for you to study throughout the semester. So like they're only like one percent tests, but like the one percent adds up uh, towards the end of the semester if you're either doing well or you're not doing well, um, for the being that extra ten percent because that ten percent can make you from like a sixty five to a seventy five or from a seventy five to an eighty five. Like it's um it could be really beneficial within the end. So they try to like help build you as you go through the semester. Which not uh, not many classes are like that. Uh, majority of classes will have like a set midterm. Uh, you read three chapters on that midterm, and then you move on to the second half of the semester, which you do like another three chapters, and you do the final. So uh, anatomy, it's like you kind of you build yourself each week for the midterm. You do the midterm, and then you build yourself again, and you do the final. The final is like cumulative for the most part. So it's like it's it was kind of set towards. Um, the second half of the semester just because you've never been tested on that stuff before but you still needed to know some of the stuff in the first one so yeah so uh the reason people don't do well in that course at laurier in second year is because that's like the first course that really like tests you 
Um, you can get by in first year with multiple choice of, yeah, I've read this textbook. I've read this, like, my notes once or twice. I can pick out the answer, like, multiple choice, the answer's in front of you. Whereas anatomy, if you have no idea in the actual, like, bell ringer situation, you can't write down anything. It goes, it goes like a math test, essentially. Like, you'll go and you'll have no idea what the answer is. So uh, you actually, like, need to learn study habits from that course. And I learned the hard way of not having study habits. And then that was the first class I actually, like, tried to do well in. And I was doing well until the final, uh, which was, like, a multiple-choice final. But still, it's just, like, I wasn't prepared on the material, like, well enough. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I ended, up, I ended up, like, going back and, like, redoing the class. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would also like to say before we move on, if you feel like you have anxiety, you should probably get an agenda and use it as a daytimer because an agenda is what keeps anxiety at bay because nothing pops up. You know, you think in a perfect world, nothing's going to come in the way of you studying for that exam in six months, but you never know, you know, and then something, something actually does come up and you have less time than you actually thought. Or, um, there's a number of assignments that are due or there's, you know, cause not everything's on the syllabus either. So sometimes a professor will add in something and then, you know, if you're the person who gets anxious, you should definitely get an agenda and a day timer and try to use it as diligently as possible. And an agenda doesn't need to be this obligatory guide. No, it's just like a framework. It's exactly, it's a, you give it. It's like the skeleton of your day. Yeah. So you can follow it. Um, it just gives you like a bit of, like it's like a bit of a cushion. Yeah, it's, for, like a, it's for, a structure your to your day. So you kind of have that set plan of, okay, I'm going to do work from 9 to 5, and then from like 5 to 7, I'm going to cook dinner and go to the gym. Or maybe you have like a club going on from 5 to 7, you have intramurals going on from 5 to 7, and afterwards you can either like read, try to read a chapter for a bit, or you're like, I don't know if it's Friday, you might be going out or something. So just yeah. having that, like that agenda and like the kind of like set times throughout the day will keep you on track during working hours throughout the day. And then you can go and progress like the next day without being, well, trying not to be mine. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever have an experience where you weren't able to get something done on time? Like, missed a deadline? Yeah. No. Always met deadlines. Missing, I I would, like, if I had to, I'd stay up 24 hours. I wouldn't miss a deadline. <laughs> to, yeah, it's just not really something that I would let myself do because, I know, it's not life or death, obviously. It's only, like, 5 or 10%. Or some days, you might have something going on, like a family or personal issue, and you have to miss the deadline. It's fine. But missing the deadline due to essentially not being prepared or laziness i have to like that's on me yeah and i'm, I'm not gonna deal with like something that not not a serious issue make me miss a deadline yeah i would i would just say if someone were to miss a deadline you need to evaluate which deadline you're going to miss because if you have two yeah. things due on the same day and one's worth 45% and it's 10% a week and you have another thing that's worth 2% and and maybe it's if you don't hit, meet the deadline then you lose the 
well, you know, you need to weigh your options there because you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You would obviously choose the 2% over the 45%. So sometimes you're in a situation where you need to weigh your options and which means you need to have your syllabi ready and you need to know what stuff's worth. Um, hopefully you never get into a situation like that, but it does happen. Yeah, and that's the thing. In first year, uh, with like most of the classes having like 100 to 300 kids in them, the midterm dates are like kind of set in stone and you're kind of under the like professor's will to do what they say for when it comes to dates. But in the, in the later years and stuff, like you can let your professors know you have an exam on the same day as another exam. And if they're within like the same program, usually they're nice enough to like change the date and then you'll have like the extra couple of days for, for something to go on. But yeah, unfortunately there is those times like I've had, I had twice in my undergrad career where I had two exams on the same day. And uh, that really, like, you, <laughs> it, it, tests, it tests yourself when you have multiple things going on one day because after that first exam, you just kind of want to, like, relax and, like, go lay down for a bit. But you need to, like, still be checked in and then just transition over to something else. So that's the same thing with, like, papers or, like, projects going on. You got two things due uh, within a 24-hour period. I know at Laurier, it's, like, they give you an extension if you have, I think, three exams within 72 hours, like you can't, or three exams within 48 hours, I can't really remember, to be honest. Um, so they'll let you write one at a later date. But I'm pretty sure that's only for exams. That's not for like midterms and papers uh, due throughout the semester. So yeah, like you said, just picking picking your battles. If something's worth a huge percent of your mark and then something's worth 2%, that 2% thing is probably going to be way easier to do. So maybe try to do that and like rush that afterwards because if you get 50 on that, that's 1% out of 2. Yeah. Whereas if you get 50 on something that's worth like 25%, you're sitting at 12.5%. That's like a huge chunk of your mark. So um, like the bigger things, obviously in the bigger marked scenarios are priority for tight situations. For sure. So let's move on to listening and note-taking. Why? Is good note-taking so important, and what did you do to take your notes effectively? So I know note-taking is kind of like 50-50 between people who use computers and then people who write notes. I know for certain classes, I would like stats and biomechanics, I would write notes uh, handwritten because they're, they're math problems and stuff, so you can't really type them up. Whereas other classes, I would use computer um, because the professor would either have like PowerPoint slides or you could write down what's on the PowerPoint and then from those PowerPoints you might use a picture or like a graph online to help like build kind of what your notes are or you might make a note within a note saying like go back here and like learn um, like add additional notes from the textbook to like this certain point just to help build kind of your um, understanding for that certain topic whereas handwritten notes is kind of sloppy uh, because you go sheet by sheet they can't really flow that well when you're going back. So, so note taking specifically, like I, ninety percent of the time, will use a computer, just yeah. because I can develop stronger notes in my computer than I could just writing them out handwritten. Uh, some people don't like like being on the computers because they feel like they easily can get distracted. And fair enough, you sit in a a class for three hours long, like you probably end up on Facebook or doing something else for a bit. It's hard to kind of stay checked in for that long period of time. But uh, if 
you're in like a 15 minute class and it goes down to like active listening and just trying to take notes and stuff, just, you can put your phone away for 50 minutes. Like you can text, you have 23 hours in a day to text them. Mm-hmm. You can you can just listen for that fifty minutes, or if it's if the notes are posted, you can just like add add to the notes. So that's the one thing that I found like the props with posted notes are like the notes to be posted, and you just like add your additional notes to the the actual powerpoints that are listed, which with whatever's the props like talking about, or just like kind of like, gives you um, a better understanding for certain topics. For sure, I would say. You probably need to do some experimenting to determine what is most effective for you in terms of your learning style. Whatever you choose, it's important to find ways to be cognitively active while listening and note-taking. You can't just passively transcribe everything that a professor is saying to you. You need to be discriminating and identifying important themes and understanding why it's significant. In my experience... The majority of professors will orient their lecture around a textbook, especially if it's a textbook they've written. And if that's the case, having your readings done before a lecture will allow you to to identify what's being overlapped from the chapter in the lecture, which is usually what you're tested on as well. So what I would say for first year is that for each class they're going to be going around the textbook so professors like you said they just read essentially the chapters and kind of break down the important things from the chapters and then you can go back and like add things from the chapters that they talked about and if you don't understand that you can kind of catch up on certain things whereas i know in a perfect world you're able to read the chapter beforehand but some of the chapters within first year are like 50 to 80 pages long. So they're kind of like extreme to, to read a bit before, especially if they're only taking like a piece of the chapter uh, and focusing on that. Cause then you're kind of just like wasting your own time if you're reading that. So what I would probably recommend is throughout that week, they'll probably have a theme throughout the week. So depending on what you're learning, they might break up the chapter um, from each day and do like, 1.1 to 1.4 on Monday and then like Wednesday, Friday, they finish the rest of the chapter. So try to keep up with the reading. Like when you're going through, you go to class, you learn. I know when you're having four or five classes in one day, it's easier said than done trying to keep up with the reading that day. But for that week, if you know you're going to do that one chapter in that one week, try to break down that chapter and like make your way through it. Um, within a week and uh, I know just like utilizing um, either you can split the chapters up with friends, you can use voice notes for writing down certain important things for chapters that you don't have to like retype because that, that's what takes you the longest time. It's like reading a textbook and highlighting a textbook and then highlighting the textbook and then writing what you highlighted on your laptop or on your notes. Like that's doing the same thing essentially three times. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can break that down and make that a quicker process, or if you can read a certain section and your friends read a certain section, you both make notes for that, that'll at least uh, cut into the time, I won't say wasting, but that time used to just read the chapter. I'd also say 
for anyone who heard the first podcast, Verda recommended when you go and read a chapter, highlight what's important. And from there, if you're planning on putting it on your computer, read it to Siri in your notes and then email that to yourself and then just copy and paste it onto your computer. That'll cut off so much time for you. That'll save so much time because you can speak faster than you can type. And I mean, if you're doing a number of things, let's say you have six different realms, you're doing things in a day, let's say breakfast, lunch, dinner, reading, gym, commuting, let's say those are the six things you're doing a day. If you can cut off 10 minutes in each of those, that's an extra hour you have to be productive in a day. And like going back to like note taking and stuff, the way I study for exams is probably it's probably more more or less a bit excessive but it's been effective for the last four years so uh it's worked for me and like obviously it can work for other people as well too um i can dance notes so i'll take a lecture that might have been like 10 so what, what i do first obviously is from your notes that you've previously written um i'll print them off so i'm not on my computer and then uh, so I have no distractions from my computer or anything like that. Then I go through and like I'll highlight the important things within those notes. And from those things highlighted, then I go and I'll write them on like one piece of paper. I'll use like acronyms. I'll use quick, uh, quick notes just to kind of like trigger my memory. Because obviously you're not going to remember everything verbatim. But if you know like general concepts and you can explain something within like three or four points, then you're going to get full marks on probably 90% of the exams uh, that you're writing. So uh, I would condense like three weeks of notes from one chapter onto like one front and back page of handwritten paper. And then for my exam, if it's like a week course, it's 12 weeks, I would have max like 12 pages of paper to study. And I would just go through those paper like five, six times a day. Yeah. And then you, you learn it, like, you, you literally learn it, and I, I, it becomes very repetitive, and I know it's, like, not the most ideal way of studying, but it's just, a, like, the study that works for me, and I, I, I need to read something a few times to get a grip of it, and that changed my, like, average in university from getting 70s to, like, getting high 80s and 90s and stuff, so. The people who I've seen be the most successful in the in the university setting are the people who studied in that exact same way it's that it's those extra that extra half hour where you repeat the note or get up an extra half hour early to repeat the notes because once you have your notes together all it is is repeating them there's no point in assuming that you know it because there could be a little bit of information that you forget because you haven't been repeating them that could separate you from the entire pack so you might as well just suck it up and keep doing the notes over. And then that way, you know, you prepared as diligently as possible. That's the thing too. Like with the notes, when you condense them, if something doesn't make it on those condensed notes, you're probably not going to know it. But I would say arguably like 90% of the material that's going to be tested would make it on the notes because professors 
for the majority in first year aren't going to be testing you on some of the most intricate detail within like the textbook. They're going to be testing you on the general concepts and making sure you understand it. I know there are some professors out there that do like to kind of screw the kids and they need certain like bell curve marks to keep the class averages. They can't have it too easy. So that is out there, but no one's stopping you from being on like the top end of the bell curve. Yeah. And if you, let's say hypothetically speaking, you have 90% of what's going to be tested on the exam on your condensed Mm -hmm. sheets. If you know 100% of that 90%, you're going to get 90%. But if you're studying so much and you only know 50% of all of the things you studied, you know, you're not going to do well. The biggest thing that I found that hurt people who who studied um, and were like proactive studying is that they took too long making their notes. So like you could be the day before still highlighting, still kind of making notes and like adding to your notes and stuff. But um, I found when you have just like a set of it's on the page now, if it's not, it's not, it is, it is. And then you just go and you just like repeat, regurgitate that stuff that you know and like understand that stuff that you know. Obviously I would have my textbooks nearby in case I need to like uh, look up anything or just like go on YouTube quickly and like can watch like uh, a certain like diagram or like a process happening uh, just to like help help me if I needed that. But for the, for the majority, like it, it worked for 20 classes within universities. So uh, yeah. I'd like to think it's like a decent method. Yeah, that's a good point. I think there was definitely variations in my studying depending on how much time I had left to study because there was, I mean, there's periods of time where you have three exams in a week and if you spend two days preparing a study sheet for this course, you're going to lose two days of studying for another course or two days that you could have studied in another way more effectively for all of the courses. So there was periods where I, I wish I could have uh, written down my study sheet, but instead I just I knew it was going to be a multiple choice based exam, so I just read my highlights in the book and just kept doing that, and it saved me a lot of time because, like yeah. you said, people waste time note taking. Yeah, if you're under crunch, it's definitely a beneficial way to do it. Uh, as well, too, I say like we we talk about how like we make notes and stuff and. Unfortunately, the reality is like that doesn't come together within like an hour. <laughs> That's eight to twelve hours in a day, like making notes for a class to get them ready, and then you can go through and like deal with them afterwards once you actually have them all down. Because uh, that's like it takes a while to get them ready, but when they're ready, then that's how what sets you yourself up for success in the end. Um, and then with that being said, too. I always studied on campus. Uh, there was like a quiet study room at Laurier. I'm not really good with like external noise and noise in the background, so I'd always go to a quiet study room. Uh, same thing. I had a buddy who was there before me, there after me every single day. I'm showing up at nine o'clock in the morning. He's already there. I'm leaving at like one, two a.m. Sometimes he's still there. So uh, that kind of incentive of just like seeing other people work hard, like makes you kind of work hard as well and then uh just i was in like a certain environment where people within that room like were all there for the same reason like they all didn't uh were focused on studying and making sure 
they weren't just like kind of like yammering on and talking uh, when people are trying like to do work, which I know like obviously libraries and stuff do that as well. But it just like was a, a place in the school that I knew I could do work, but I had to like work had to be get done. I would also say for note taking and studying the two themes where we've been talking about, it's important to color code your notes in terms of chapter or however you want to break it down but anything to activate your memory right Uh so um i would definitely suggest doing a little bit of color coding it may it it may seem cliche but i mean who cares Uh no that's the thing like obviously within my notes i would just write like the title uh of the chapter at the top and then kind of go from there or like the title of the lecture and then go from there just kind of knowing knowing what it was and like what it was about because uh you can it's easy enough once you once you read the material to find something that you previously read or like know which chapter something's about if you know um what the topics are yeah so let's transition into participation in tutorials and seminars why you were a ta at one point so why is participation so important how did you make sure you participated and why is it important to get to know your teaching assistants and professors? So yeah, we'll start sorry, off with I'm why is participation after uh, my undergrad. <laughs> so yeah, so being a TA, like obviously in first year, you're going to be in classes and lecture halls with like hundreds of students. So uh, obviously that's not really the time to go up and talk to the professor and introduce yourself. Uh, previously mentioned by Rob. Uh, he said, like, go to their office hours or utilize the TA's office hours. Being a TA for two years, if someone emailed me, I was pretty much their guide to doing well because I would rarely get emails. I'd get, like, maybe two a semester. So I would know that student wants to do well. I would meet up with them in person and just kind of go through and give them, like, little hints and advice uh, to the best of my knowledge to give them the best opportunity for doing well. Obviously, I'm not writing the test myself, but going through that situation, having an idea of like how to study and giving them like essay tips of cert for essay writing and stuff like that, that was, in my mind, beneficial for them. And I saw that they were engaged because not everything they were asking me questions on, I was specifically marking. Um, so I was trying to help them and lead them in the right direction for whatever they're working on. Now, being... Uh, engaged in tutorials and like learning the material I know participation class it's pretty much a gimme for five to ten percent within the later years and first year and stuff with the tutorials you're in uh, some classes even have like 20 percent tutorial like I had a biology tutorial each semester worth 30 percent of the mark each semester it's pretty much the easiest 30 percent if you do the work and you're engaged if you can show the TA, like TAs and profs are human, if they know who you are and know you're coming each week and know your name, that's the most beneficial thing for you. And obviously with being at first university, you're 17 to 19 years old for the most part. So it's not the easiest thing to talk in front of others. Uh, it might be your first time out of high school because like high school, you don't really, you might have some group presentations. I can't remember many classes having many group presentations. So it might be the first time you're talking in front of others. You might be leading a seminar. Uh, but just know, like, 
it's it's for your grade. It's not the end of the world if you say something wrong. Being engaged and saying something wrong is better than knowing something and not saying anything at all. Yeah, for sure. So, so just yeah. So I would say, uh, utilize your TA, utilize your prof. If you have questions about an up and coming exam, or if you have questions within the tutorial, stick around for an extra minute or so at the end, kind of ask them a question. Uh, utilize those that time to ask them questions when there's only twenty kids in the class, whereas after a two hundred uh, person lecture and you're standing behind. 30 kids to ask them a question like that's not beneficial for you or them because they're just going to give you a half-assed answer that's not going to lead you anywhere. So take time to either make an appointment with them, go to their office hours, uh, email a TA, ask them questions because they'll set you in the right direction. And there's never a bad thing for like asking questions and answering um, opportunities. I also think from my experience, a lot of TAs, they had trouble getting participation and they would resort to saying everyone from the room what did you find interesting about the reading so you can come to tutorial prepared to participate you can have what you found interesting about the reading most likely you're going to know anyways if you did the reading but you can i think something that would separate you from the pack in terms of preparation for and participation for tutorials would be coming with a question for the class. I mean, if you have a question for the class ready, whether it's something that you don't know or something you thought was interesting and you're just being critical about, you know, that's pretty impressive because you've engaged with the material and you're showing you're engaging and you're showing that you've engaged and being critical by participating. Uh-huh. So, so within my later years, I know in first year, uh, university, you're probably going to have to do the readings yourself, which is kind of difficult because you might have quite a few for certain things. But like you said, if you even if you have to read um, certain bits and pieces of it, or even if you have to kind of like, you're only given the opportunity to read half of it, you read half of it, talk about that half. Like, utilize yourself reading that half to be engaged, and then sometimes you might fizzle out in the end if you don't get the opportunity to read or you can you'll have your laptop in class essentially so you can kind of like skim through stuff uh within the within the actual conversation just to pull up some points that you might have thought about or that you might um have might have been brought up like later in the conversation but yeah in my later years we would have four readings a week for certain tutorials and i had a couple of my buddies in the class too so we would all do one reading send each other the notes and then we just piggyback off conversation because like, we all have the readings uh, broken down within notes just on our laptops there. And then you can just talk about all the readings if there's multiple right then and there. And then the four of us got the better marks within the actual tutorial. And I'd also say if you say something that you think's true and it's actually a mistake, at least if you verbalize it, someone can correct you, whether that's the TA or another student. But you shouldn't feel like an idiot because of that. But if you don't say anything and you think you're correct, that's even worse. I'd rather take the 10-second embarrassment of someone correcting what I said and then actually knowing what a reading was about than thinking I'm right, not saying anything, studying that, and then actually not having it correct. So by verbalizing and participating, you're vulnerable to making mistakes, but that's a good thing.
because yeah, you can sure. get corrected. No, you actually learn the right material in the end. Exactly. So maybe I'll move on to uh, just the general question. What would you tell first-year Cody Watson? I, what I would tell my first-year self and what I would hope to get my first self is to utilize the TA, utilize the prof, and develop study habits and learning uh, certain study habits from going to tutorial sessions led by older students. And you, you utilize like your dawn and other aspects of the campus for developing certain study habits and learning certain material for yourself. So everyone learns for themselves. Everyone uh, learns from their previous mistakes and previous learning experiences of how to become a better version of themselves and to grow like as a student. So just kind of utilize what the university is offering you. Like if you don't pick up those opportunities that are laid out for you, you're just um, missing out on potential that you could have for yourself. For sure. Well, I appreciate you joining the podcast. I'd like to say on my and Cody's behalf, good luck to the first year students. You have how much longer left in your physio degree? Uh, just over a year. Good luck to that. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, no worries. Take care.